can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your Huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? What we've got here is... Failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your pappy how to cut your licorice. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, you're yeah. not at a time. Are you not at a time? There's no more you are here. So, good day to you all. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. So, I'm just going to say, it's pretty late at night when I'm recording this. Um, I had a night class tonight. And uh, just, I got home, I had some supper, because I was borderline hangry. And... But it also had a lot, quite a bit on my mind, and I just kind of wanted to get back here behind the microphone. It's been a little over a week since I've got to record one of these. Where our story last left off is I was heading down to South Texas to check out my boat to make sure it survived a hurricane or two. And as it turns out, it, it did just fine. Um... Hurricane Marco ended up turning north and then kind of got broken apart and there was sort of a came a bit of a nothing burger and then Hurricane Hurricane Laura caused a bit more anxiety and ultimately more destruction just not where I was Laura Laura's the one that just sort of, everybody was like, what's it going to do? It's got a lot of potential. And the thing that made that particular weather forecast, both for both hurricanes, so weird, is every time you listen to it, it would change. And for a while, every time I would listen to it, you know, the landfall, uh, at least initially for Marco, was getting closer and closer to me. And I was just like, I... Uh, Got to take care of this. So at least if I'm gonna if it, I'm gonna deal with it, I want to deal with it facing it, not looking at it from a distance. 
We may judge my wisdom on that, but there it is. Um, so that being said, I've had a lot to think about. I've had a 11 to 12 hour drive, two different directions. I've listened to multiple podcasts. It was actually kind of funny. One of them, I've been listening, it's a series I've been listening to, um, that actually had a lot to do with what I was um, already planning on talking about. And it was actually, it fit pretty well with um, what I was lecturing on in class this week, or at least tonight, in my visual storytelling class. In the podcast, uh, it's um, it's the Jordan Peterson podcast, and he's doing a series on, I guess, doing, he's already done, uh, I think the lectures are from 2017 he did like his six-part series on called on maps and meaning um and it really tied in well with what i was planning on talking about in class and so i made a few uh most of those before i had to lecture tonight but then i started thinking about i was like yeah it just keeps tying in it keeps tying in so basically what i want to do tonight is decompress a little bit uh talk about we're going to talk about story uh story is um there's a lot behind story and so i want to dive fairly deep in there we're going to see how well this holds up so it's one of those like I said, it's it's pretty late at night, and I am sitting in the dark. It's been a long day. My day started early because we had storms blow through. It's kind of one of those things. Um, first day of September, summer is starting to let go. And I remember hearing a, a meteorologist one time. You know, he was talking about when you've got. And I think specifically he was talking about he had, we were having a pretty strong heat wave. And he said, those things never go away gently. Um, like, it's, it's, at least within the context of weather, when you've got some major changes coming, they tend to come around with quite a bit of veracity. And so they, when they, they let go, they don't necessarily go away peacefully. And they're saying, you know, by the end of the week, we're supposed to, everything's supposed to be considerably cooler. So it's kind of one of those. I woke up and t t major rain, just, or I guess rain. It was just a, a really hard downpour, but also lots of lightning and thunder. And it all started a lot, uh, about an hour before I really wanted to get up. But, you know, what do you do? And then, so it rattled me out of bed. I got my coffee and I just started reading a book. And, uh, you know, before long, power started flickering off and on. And then it just stayed off. It went off and stayed off. And so, well, I'm just sitting here in the dark. Suddenly reverted myself back to the 18th century. What do you do? So I lit some candles because it was still dark. And then finally I got up and just 
made my day happen. Ended up going to work. And uh, I don't know. So it's just been a long day. And I'm at the end of it. And now I'm here with you guys. And uh, hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully you're doing well. And uh, so I guess with that said, I don't really know. I'm just kind of rambling at this point. I guess I should probably focus in a little bit, a little bit closer because you may just be annoyed. Um, maybe not. Maybe you don't even care. I guess we're just going to find that out. So tonight's topic story. So I'm thinking about it. What are your favorite? What are your favorite movies? Like. This is the basically part of the same lecture I gave tonight in class because I'm probably going a little bit further, maybe. Um, think about the stories that you've encountered, like the ones that just sort of, not the ones that just sort of entertained you, but the ones that stuck to you. And by that, I mean, it's like you can go to watch a movie or even read a book. Well, let's use the movie metaphor just because, or it's not a metaphor. Let's just use the movie example. You know, if you go watch a movie, maybe not go because it's the age of COVID. If you're sitting at home and you watch a movie, and the very next day, you never think about the fact that you watched that movie. Like it, you don't, like it just doesn't come across your consciousness. Chances are it wasn't really that good of a movie. Like it may have entertained you for a little while, but if you, if it didn't cause you to think sometime later, then eh, it probably just wasn't that great. Um, it's the movies and the and the stories and like the books that you that cause you to think sometime, um, not just a little bit, but a lot down the road. Uh, they. Uh, causes you to think about your yourself and your own life and that's the point of story and that's what we're going to talk about tonight how story goes so deep into who we are as human beings and probably gonna step on a few toes tonight but that's okay I'm, I'm I wouldn't be doing my job if I'm not doing a little bit of that tell you what Let's just start with some music, though. Oh, by the way, did you did you like my new intro? Maybe, maybe not. Did you even notice I did a new intro? Same basic. It's the same song at the base of it, but I changed all the the uh, stuff to try to make it fit. I was actually planning on doing a podcast last night, but I ended up mixing that thing for about ten hours by the time it was all said and done. It was just it was it was it was. Just a well that just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and just finally I just had to walk away from it. And I'm really having a lot of, I'm gaining a lot of respect for music and audio engineers. My background's in, in <clears throat> video. You know, audio has always been a part of that, but there's just kind of a certain level that we always went, but you just didn't necessarily go a lot deeper than that from from at least from a journalistic standpoint you know it's 
it's gotten deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper as I've gone on. And, and so I was trying to mix that and trying to make things work. And then, and I use headphones when I'm recording it, like I'm doing right now. And I know exactly what it sounds like when I'm doing this. And I'm thinking that sounds absolutely perfect. I get everything adjusted and mixed just exactly the way I want it. And then I just listened to it on my computer speakers. And I was like, okay, it still sounds kind of okay. Pretty okay. I'm not expecting as much because they're not. It's just not the same quality of, you know, speaker system. And then I thought, that's going to sound really cool in my car. And so I pulled it up when I'm in my car today. And I'm just like. And then I listened to it. And I was like, eh, it doesn't really sound that good in the car. So this is sort of the weird place we are. I'm trying to just figure out how to. I, I, not we are, I am um, I'm, I'm just trying to get better at that so I imagine that thing will evolve over the time um, who knows if it'll stay with that song or where we are but it's going to work for now and uh, it's going to just sort of hang out for a while and uh, so that being said um, do our typical thing I'm going to play a song Makes me think of a friend of mine. She's just a free spirit. And uh, love her to death. So. And then I'll start in a story. Alright? Alright. It's knowing that your door is always open And your path is free to walk That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds And the ink stains that are dried upon some line and That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory It keeps you ever gentle on my mind it's not clinging to the rocks and ivy planted on their columns now that bind me Or something that somebody said because they thought we fit together walking It's just knowing that the world will not be cursing or forgiving When I walk along some railroad track and find that you're moving on the back roads by the rivers of my memory And for hours you're just gentle on my mind Though the wheat fields and the clotheslines and the junkyards and the highways come between us And some other woman's crying to her mother cause she turned and I was gone I still might run in silence, tears of joy might stain my face And a summer sun might burn me till I'm blind But not to where I cannot see you walking on the back roads By the rivers flowing gentle on my mind I dip my cup of soup back from a gurgling, crackling cauldron in some train yard 
My beard a roughening coal pile And a dirty hat pulled low across my face Through cupped hands round the tin can I pretend to hold you to my breast and find That you're waiting from the back roads By the rivers of my memories Ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind All right, so we're back. And I feel really out of practice with this. That's all right. We'll manage. I'm going to read something to you real quick. Um, this is, I guess this is where it all started for me. The There's a guy named Donald Miller. Um, he's still around. Uh, he's an author. He wrote a, he wrote a book several, I guess 10, 20 years ago, maybe not 20 years ago, he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz, and it was really sort of this searching um, um, memoir of a, of a guy just looking for God and looking for himself and looking for, he was coming out of an evangelical sort of uh, worldview, and he was looking for some, he was looking for something um, different. And ultimately found it. Um, but then even then, a few years later, he he grew out of that. He grew out of it. It, 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 it was well, he didn't necessarily grow. I guess, yeah, growing out of it is a good way to say it. You hit a certain point and you think the narrative that I tell myself right now isn't enough to get me to get me to the next level and this is where I want to I want to talk about tonight it's it's ultimately meaning a story and when he was talking about it he mentioned a guy named Robert McKee and Robert McKee wrote this book called story and basically it's a screenwriting um, book and, and I ended up getting it and I ended up reading it and then now, now I make my students read it um, at least for my visual storytelling class, and it's it dives really deep in what story is, and story is a lot of things, um, but there's ultimately one real purpose for story. I'm flipping through like while we're we're here, so you hear the pages. We, as human beings, are hardwired for stories. And there's a reason for that. I mean, we're, I mean, we're genetically positioned to be attracted to story because we use stories for a very specific reason. I want you to think right now for the stories that really meant a lot to you. Not again, again, not the ones that just entertained you, but the ones that really, you know, that carried with you, and you thought about a lot. You got it in your head. You're thinking of, you know, one or two, something that's just hanging with you. 
listen to stories and we're attracted to stories is because they were continually looking to answer a single question. It's a pretty big question. And it's a question that never goes away. The moment you answer it, it just simply... You answer it for the moment. You, and that's exactly it. You only answer it for that moment in your life. And the question that we're always trying to answer is this. How should I live my life? What's the next right answer? And so we, we look at story for wisdom. We look at story for guidance. Now, as a... Um, a sailor I look for stories I mean we can think of stories and like as um, these are these are navigational charts they aren't necessarily telling us exactly what's there but they're telling us what we should expect and how to adjust ourselves accordingly they tell us what we might expect it's not going to be exact. Things change. Winds change. Tides change. Circumstances change. But they've given us a reasonable expectation of what, what, not, what not just to expect, but also how we should respond. Um, and to quote Robert McClee, Robert McKee, and this is on this first page. He says, Day after day we seek an answer to the ageless question Aristotle posed in Ethics. How should a human being lead his life? But the answer eludes us, hiding behind a blur of racing hours as we struggle to fit our means to our dreams. Fuse ideas with passion, turn desire into reality. We're, slept, we're swept along on a risk-ridden shuttle through time. If we pull back to grasp pattern and meaning, life, if we, if we pull back to grasp pattern and meaning, life, like a gasalt, does flips. First serious, then comic, static, frantic, meaningful, meaningless. Momentous world events are beyond our control. Or personal events despite all of our efforts to keep our hands on the wheel more often than not control us let me read that last line again momentous world events are beyond our control or personal events despite all of our efforts to keep out of the keep our hands on the wheels keep our hands on the wheel are more often than not more often than not control us I did a terrible job of reading that we look for stories to help us answer these questions. We look for stories to answer a very actually I, I can I will even I'll drill it down a little bit more. We look for stories to help organize the chaos. When life turns chaotic. Let me give you an example of that. 
Think for a second. For the church folk among you. What's the very first sentence in the Bible? Or actually, for the second sentence in the Bible. Genesis 1 says this. Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's saying life was chaos. And then the next thing it says is, you know, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And so what we go on from that point is it's a... The story of a relationship between God and his people. I mean, ultimately, that's what the religious texts are. We could be talking about Christianity. We could be talking about... uh, Judaism, you can be talking about um, Islam. They all start in this really similar place. Something greater than ourselves helping to seek order out of chaos. And so even, you know, from that point on, that's exactly what we do today. You know, and we can do it from the stories um, from holy books. We can do it from movies. We can do it from books. We can do it from the stories that we write ourselves. Because as it turns out, the same rules apply. The story, the, the rules that apply for writing a great story also apply for you know the lives that we lead. You know, so when we, we talk about we want to write a great story with our life, this is what we mean, and this is why we gravitate to stories. Let me let me break this down a little bit for you. If you've got a piece of paper, I want you to draw something for me. If not, just kind of follow along. What I want you to do, or at least picture, is about halfway down the page, I want you to draw a horizontal line about an inch long. And then I want you to draw... A big hump so you're drawing a big hill just up and over and then when it comes back down and it's even with the first you know line I want you to draw another horizontal line so you you kind of end up with this sort of horseshoe shape or if you are in um, thinking about um, the Greek language I think you're looking at like an omega signal uh, signal if I'm actually googling this as I so I don't give you something wrong yep it's a clicked omega and I actually ended up with a bunch of watches so omega so you've got alpha and omega beginning and the end so we've got it's actually very appropriate because that's exactly what we're doing here so we've got a straight line a big hump and then another straight line 
So at the first straight line, we're going to break down a narrative. This is what we will call a narrative arc. It is. Uh, well, we're not calling it. That's exactly what this is. It's narrative arc. It's the structure of a lot or most stories. Details can change, but for all intents and purposes, this is what we're doing. So Harry Potter. Let's all think about Harry Potter for a lot. We could talk about Bilbo Baggins and The Hobbit if we wanted to, but... At least for my students tonight, Harry Potter seemed to resonate a little more deeply with them. So we're just going to stick with that. So the first line, everything's flat. This, in the narrative arc, this is where we set um, the scene and the setting. This is where we meet our protagonist. We, we meet our main character. And so in, the, in terms of Harry Potter... We find a boy living under the stairs. He's got an abusive aunt and uncle. Maybe not physically, but certainly emotionally. Um, and they force him to live in, in a cupboard under the staircase. Now, if we're dealing with a little bit of exposition here, what does that mean? Is that... He literally lives beneath their feet. They literally walk over him. And not just walk over him, they're elevating themselves as they walk over him. He always stays on the bottom. And he's got a cousin, Dudley, who's a bit of a jackass. He's spoiled. He's, he's legitimately the opposite of Harry. He has everything he wants. But he also has no character. He's rude. He's a bit of a bully. Um, but he has no resilience. Just like his aunt and uncle, largely. And so, Harry is... This is where we find, from a story perspective, this is where we establish what is normal. And so, we establish normal when we're sitting at this part of the, the story, at the beginning. And then something has to change. I mean, it's not just that, but we also learned that Harry's he's a fairly humble guy. He's diminished, um, but he's not a, he's not someone who complains. But he certainly wants a different life. We do understand that. But they do say that this is a life that he has. He largely accepts without complaint. But he does wish for more. Okay? This is important. Think about every major transition that's ever happened in your life. Because what happens next is means everything. The next thing that happens in this story is what we call an inciting incident. Inside, the inciting incident it does a couple of things. The first thing it does is it knocks normal off his feet. Normal is no longer normal. Or no longer normal. The narrative that takes care of normal no longer fits it. No, will no longer deal with that scenario. Something comes in that changes everything. 
And the second thing that happens is when the inciting incident occurs, it forces your protagonist to have to make a decision. Sometimes they want something. Sometimes they just simply have to decide something. In Harry Potter's case, you find a boy who suddenly starts getting these letters. But honestly, even that isn't the inciting incident because he doesn't understand what that means. His uncle and aunt understands what that means. But he doesn't. And so he... You see his aunt and uncle start responding to the chaotic scene that is all these letters arriving. But you, the audience, and... and are kind of relating to Harry at this point. You don't really understand what's going on. And so we eventually find ourselves or Harry out on this island in the middle of the sea, hiding with his fan because his uncle had taken them there. They're trying to hide from all of these letters that just keep magic, literally magically appearing. And then the exciting incident is this. A giant named Hagrid kicks open the door and holds a birthday cake out for Harry Potter. Now, one of the things that makes this interesting is that Harry, that, or I'm sorry, that Hagrid tells Harry that he's special. Nobody's ever told Harry that he's special before in his life. He is, as far as in his mind, he's the most ordinary boy in the world. And now you've got a giant who appears to have supernatural powers, as opposed, you know, and, and supernatural size, uh, suddenly presents himself to Harry and tells him that he's special. It gives him a birthday cake. And then tells him that he's been cordially invited to attend, or accepted into, Hogwarts, School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And this is kind of a big deal. And then, and then he basically sticks out his hand and he's like, alright Harry, let's go. So the thing to know is, you know, Harry knew nothing of this world prior to this moment. And this is what an inciting incident does, it requires your protagonist to make a decision because normal has suddenly been tossed on its head. The inciting incident introduces chaos into the narrative. And like I said, going back to the beginning, we are drawn to stories that help us try to organize the chaos. Because I want you to think of something. How do you respond to chaos? How do you respond to uncertainty? At what level does anxiety kick in? Now, you can say all kinds of things at this moment to yourself. But how do you respond if you can't find the keys? You're, you're, you're getting up to go to... Um, you're going to work, going to school, going to do whatever you do. And you've got a normal routine, and then you go to you're right on time, everything's going exactly according to plan. And then you're walking out the door and you realize you don't know where your car keys are. Or you don't know where your phone is. 
and then this is kind of a small thing in the great in, in, and honestly in the, in the in the larger sense of things but this throws everything off because this is this is not this is not normal so what happens for a lot of us in kind of the way we go about the world is that we we don't necessarily perceive everything that's going on around us 100% of the time we perceive a percentage of what's going on in us around you know at a time this is how we end up you know we miss a lot of things um, this is how you kind of you, you may drive to work or you drive home and you don't necessarily remember much about that drive it's because your brain mostly tuned it out what we're looking for because we've got this kind of preset notion of kind of how we think this thing should go like whatever it is however life should go whether we're driving to work getting ready to go or it's kind of how the career should work whatever the scenario is that you're going through on a given day you've got this sort of you've got this nautical chart in your head of kind of how you expect or think or want it to go and so you've kind of got this dual thing going on is that's the thing that's sort of guiding you this nautical chart and then there's the reality of the thing so like when I'm sailing, I've, I've legitimately got, I've got a GPS display. I've, I mean, I can have paper charts as well that tell me what I should expect. But sometimes the thing on the chart doesn't align with that, which is reality. And so you get a deviation in those things. And that deviation becomes a sense of chaos. When normal isn't normal anymore. And so then we then we have to go through this sort of response phase. So the first thing you have to do is actually recognize that the thing that's happening in real life doesn't match your preconceived notions about what it was supposed to be. And this is the part that can throw a lot of people off. This is where a lot of people will shut down. This is where a lot of people will explode. This is where a lot of people will do a lot of different things. Um, but while I'm thinking about it, this is also, you know, I talk about you, you don't necessarily see everything. Like your, your, your brain is pretty much wired to see what you need to see. Your, your, your eyes take in so much information that they don't actually process. Here's the same way. You just sort of tune it out after a while. And if you even think about like relationships, like here, here's a good, here's a good thing to think about yourself or think about others. We don't see the complexity of things that aren't on our agendas. Think about that again. Like the things we see, the things that are important to us, the things that help us make decisions. Or at least the things that we think we should be focusing on. But while that's happening, something completely different can go on, and we just completely miss it because it's not. On, it was what we call. It's just not on your radar. You weren't thinking. You weren't expecting it. You weren't looking for it, and so it slipped right by you without you ever um, noticing. And sometimes those things are really significant. 
And so we have to be careful about that kind of thing. So this is the point. All right. So again, we've introduced chaos into the story. We've established normal. We've got, we've got Harry Potter. He's sitting there. Everything's going fine. It's not fine, but it, it's normal. And then suddenly normal gets flipped on its head and Harry has to make a decision. Now, if you want to jump over to the Hobbit, then we've got Bilbo Baggins hanging out in, you know, Bag End, minding his own business, not bothering anybody. And suddenly he's got a house full of dwarves and a wizard wanting him to go on a grand adventure that is completely outside his comfort zone. Again, he has to make a decision. But whether we're talking about Bilbo Baggins or Harry Potter, the moment they make a decision, this is within the narrative arc is what we would call rising action. Your protagonist makes a decision. They, they decide that they want a thing. And then they start to go after it. And it's never, it's never something small. Story doesn't typically happen in the subtle. Stories typically happen in something that's a little more dramatic. It's a little, kind of more of the extremes. And so they go after this thing. But then almost immediately after the protagonist makes a decision and they, and they decide to start going after something, the thing that comes in next immediately has to start pushing back against them. And that's conflict. Conflict is introduced in the story because the, the moment your protagonist deviates from normal, there are going to be forces that push back, trying to put it back in its place. Now, conflict is super important in con the context of story. It not only drives your story, it, it, it also develops the character of your protagonist, but even more importantly than that, what it does for you as the audience is it helps you understand value. Because the more the protagonist is, the more the lead character is willing to put up with, the more they're willing to go through to get the thing that they want, they implicitly tell you the value of that thing that they want. Like the moment, like if, if they quit the moment it got hard or the moment they encountered some kind of objection, it'd be kind of a shitty story. Like, let's just be honest. Like you get there and he's like, I, I really want this thing. Oh, it's hard. Never mind. You see how weird that is? It's a terrible story. That's the story that makes you walk out. That's the story that gives you, you know, you get done with and it's two hours of your life. You never get back. So what we do is something else. We push. We push against the conflict. The character pushes against the conflict. And then just the moment you think everything's going to go okay, suddenly maybe the character goes two steps back. This is what we would call a negative turn. Things don't necessarily work out perfectly. Things aren't necessarily... Um, they just don't work out as well as you think. It just, it's not as easy as you think it is. And this is kind of one of those things with, even with life. 
people think it's just going to be okay or i've made the decision it's going to be a little bit hard but i'm going to keep pushing and eventually i'm going to get my thing well maybe actually you won't at least not for a while maybe you're going to push for a while and then maybe conflict is going to knock you right back to the bottom of that hill and then again again it's an, it's a new exciting incident inciting incident it's a new it's a negative turn, but again, the protagonist, in this case, maybe you, has to make a decision yet again. Is it still worth it? And so eventually it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps going, it keeps climbing and keeps climbing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing through. Negative turns or not. We also have suspense built into there because you don't necessarily know how this is going to end up. Like you as the audience, you're hoping, but there's that thing in the back of your head, especially if you've watched Game of Thrones and read the books, you're thinking, I think I know how this is going to end, and then it doesn't. So you've got this level of suspense that's building there as well but eventually we'll just say for the sake of argument and the sake of you don't want to listen to me for two hours reads the climax of the story the great epic battle of whatever it happens to be the thing is and finally they you know the hero Gets the boy, gets the girl, gets the car, gets the whatever. Throws the ring into the volcano. Beats he who should not be named. Whatever the thing is. We hit climax. But even, on, honestly, even at the point of that climax of the story... That's still not normal because we we don't function our lives at that point. We we're not we don't because we're not all meth addicts. We don't all function at the level of climax. And so the next part of the story is we have to have what's called the falling action. And the falling action is we're returning back to a sense of normal. Until eventually we get resolution. And resolution is the new order of things. It's the new version of normal. We tie it off in a bow. Life gets better. Life finds purpose and meaning. And we get the next right answer. And it allows us, at least for a little bit, to see the complexities of the things that may not necessarily be on our agendas. Because we don't necessarily have an agenda on our mind at that point. And again, all of these things, the things that make a great story, those same rules apply to our lives. 
and I guess that probably actually should be in reverse. It's it's the same rules that apply to life. It's because those rules apply to life that's what draws us to story. We're seeking resolution. We're seeking answer. We're seeking. We're seeking desire to find order within the chaos. Let me read something. A good story well told means something worth telling that the world wants to hear. Finding this is your lonely task. It begins with talent. You must be born with the creative power to put things together in a way no one has ever dreamed. Then you must bring the work to a vision that's driven by fresh insights into human nature and society coupled with an in-depth knowledge of your characters and your world. All that, and as Haley and Whitburnett reveal in their excellent book, A Lot of Love. The love of story, the belief that your vision can be expressed only through story, that characters can be more real than people, that the fictional world is more profound than the concrete. The love of the dramatic, a fascination with sudden surprises and revelations that bring sea changes in life. The love of truth. The belief that lies cripple the bre- the belief that lies cripple the artist. The ever truth in life must be questioned down to one's own secret motives. The love of humanity, a willingness to empathize with the suffering souls, to crawl inside their skins and see the world through their eyes. The love of sensation. The desire to indulge not only the physical but the inner senses. The love of dreaming. The pleasure in taking leisurely rides in your imagination just to see where it leads. The love of humor. A joy in the saving grace that restores the balance of life. The love of language. The delight in the sound and sense and syntax and semantics. The love of duality. A feel for life's hidden contradictions. A healthy suspicion of things that are not what they seem. The love of perfection. The passion to write and rewrite in pursuit of the perfect moment. The love of uniqueness. The thrill of the audacity and a stone-faced calm when it's met by ridicule. The love of beauty. An innate sense that treasures good writing, hates bad writing, and knows the difference. The love of self. A strength that doesn't need to be constantly reassured, that never doubts that you are indeed a writer. You must love to write and bear the loneliness. I guess that's my my um, prayer for you, crew. Learn to love those things and learn to love and bear the loneliness. Because the words that you write may very well be the final weight that tips the, su- the sp- that tips the scales to make another life better. 
So treat your so treat your words as such. Craft them and shape them with both creativity and discipline so that you may know that you actually told their story well. And you told it with accuracy, beauty, and conviction. Treat your words as if they matter. Because my crew, they actually do. And as in my classes, questions, comments, complaints, clever anecdotes, interpretive dance, salacious sonnets, salacious haikus, predacious paragraphs, diabolical diatribes, going once, going twice. I'll see you crazy kids next time.
Savage Brotherhood from sea to shining sea.